Good morning, Mission Point. So good to uh, be with you all again. It's always, I, I love it uh, when, when I have an opportunity to come and uh, be with our friends here at, at Mission Point. Uh, you know, I, I, and I've told you this before, I'm going to tell you this again. I love your pastor. Stephen is really one of, uh, when I think of friends here in Murfreesboro, uh, Stephen is one of my just uh, closest of friends that we don't get to see each other enough, but uh, when he's one of my coffee friends and when we say, hey, we're going to go have coffee together, it usually is like a two-hour conversation that I just, I'm so thankful for him, so thankful for his heart. Uh, I love Doug. Doug has been such an encouragement for me in my years at MTSU, and and so so thankful for him. So it is almost August. We're so close, and so that means that school is just right around the corner, uh, that means, so I, I don't know if you've gotten used to traffic being just a little bit lighter this summer, but my commute, I live on this side of Murfreesboro. I live over off New Salem, and, and so my commute over to campus has been uh, pretty pleasant this summer, and I know it's coming. I know the days, in just a few days, uh, things get a little bit crazy again. And uh, But uh, for me, as a college minister, as BCM campus minister at MTSU, let me tell you, like that time of year is almost like Christmas time for me. I cannot wait. Cannot wait for Walmart to be crowded again. I can't wait for all these students to be back in town, the 20-something thousand college students at MTSU. I'm, I'm excited about how uh, Mission Point will be helping us in these coming weeks, and at the end of our service, we'll, we'll, during the announcement time, I will take just a few minutes about a way uh, and some ways that we would love to have your partnership with us uh, at MTSU this year, and in particular, a couple of events that we'll be having uh, right at the beginning of the semester. But uh, we have had um, I, I just celebrated five years at MTSU uh, just a few weeks ago. July 17th was my five-year anniversary at MTSU. But college ministry is what I've done my whole life. When it, when it comes to ministry, about 27 years of doing something in the college ministry world. And, and I, I know you're saying, Mark, you look 30. And so, but uh, I... Uh, I, I love the college campus, and I love what God does on college campuses. Isaac, I'm so thankful for this guy, and and uh, and I I have had the privilege and joy of walking with Isaacs through 27 years of just incredible college students that love the Lord. That uh, and and college, the college campus is one of the most. Um, strategic places that we can be as the church. So as, as uh, BCM, we're, we're so thankful for partnership with churches. And uh, in, in these coming days, you're going to be hearing about even some more opportunities. We had an incredible year this past year, and we just saw lots of incredible things happen. And here in just a couple of weeks, um, actually two weeks from right now, we will be on the road, about 29 of us from the MTSU-BCM. We'll be on our way to Falls Creek, Oklahoma and uh, for National Collegiate Week, which is really a way that launches 
uh, the semester for us. Uh, there will be about 1,500, 1,700 college students and leaders there uh, from all over the country and Canada uh, will be coming together to worship and, and be trained, and uh, it's a great way for us to start, and so we're, we're excited to, to be doing that in a couple of weeks. So this morning, um, what the, the, uh, the scripture that we're going to look at is a scripture that I love to take students to. Uh, especially in areas of discipleship, when, when it really means, what it really means to be a truly devoted, a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Uh, who, who likes convenience in this room? Who, who just really likes like when, when you're doing something and you discover just a more convenient way to do something? Who just who just like really likes that? Yeah, absolutely. We all, we all love convenience. And I think we live in a world today that we're just always trying to figure out just what do we do to make things just a little bit more convenient. Uh, I've, I've got a few illustrations of just things that I think are just wonderful inventions. Moving sidewalks. Moving sidewalks are, um, are incredible. When I go to an airport, I love to get on moving sidewalks. If an airport doesn't have a moving sidewalk, I'm done with that airport. And so I, I love moving sidewalks. They're just convenient. You know, you've, even if, you, if you're late, you can get on that moving sidewalk and it moves you right along. And, or if you just want to stand there and wave, it's just you... The moving sidewalk is, is just an area, of, and it's just a little bit more convenient for us when we travel through the airports. The Chick-fil-A app. Yeah, the Chick-fil-A app. That's, that's convenient, right? You can order on the app and drive up to Chick-fil-A, and they bring your chicken out to you just like that. And so that is so convenient. Um. The, the last thing I'm going to show you is something that I don't have yet, but I'm very intrigued by this. It's a self-stirring coffee mug. A self-stirring coffee mug. Yes, it can be yours for $29.99 off Amazon, and it could be on your doorstep tomorrow morning. Because, you know, when you get up in the morning and you pour your cup of coffee, and it's just so difficult to put the spoon in and stir it, right? <laughs> Convenience. We're always looking for something to, to be more convenient. We love convenience, and, and we could go on and on and on thinking about things that are uh, that make our life just a little bit easier, just a little bit more convenient, things that make life just a little simpler so that you know, and honestly, just so that we can fill our life with more stuff. Because when we find convenience, it might give us a little bit more time, but just because we have more time, it doesn't mean that we're going to relax or slow down anymore. It just means we're going to fill our life with something else. And so we're always seeking that convenience, that, that, desire, for, that desire for this ultimate convenience it actually also sometimes bleeds over uh, into our walk with the Lord and our walk with Jesus. And, and we, we just, sometimes we just want to make this a little bit easier. When we read the scriptures, and we're going 
We're going to look at some particular scripture this morning when Jesus, what Jesus says, this is what it looks like to be my disciple. And so there's, there's nothing convenient about following Jesus. There's something beautiful about following Jesus and giving him your everything. But when we try to just make it convenient, when we try just to check off the check boxes, I did this, I did this, I did this, and I'm good. We're missing completely what it means to follow him. And so when when I walk alongside college students and these years of being able to, to, to walk alongside college students and just help them understand just a little bit more of what it means to be his disciple, not just on a one-day-a-week basis, not just on a, just a, 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 an every-once-in-a-while kind of basis, but what does it look like to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus every moment of our lives? So, we often want this walk to Jesus with this Jesus, uh, this this title that we wear as as disciples of Jesus, to be a little less intrusive, to to be a little bit more convenient, and we're looking for shortcuts or 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 we're looking for things on our own terms. And when we do this, we're completely dismissing the biblical definition of discipleship and what He calls us to on a moment. By moment basis. Two of my, two of my favorite books. Uh, I'm a reader. I love to read, and I, I have, I have, kind of a one hand kind of. These are the top five. These are these are must reads. And so, two of my my favorite reads are uh, the Cost of Discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a good german theologian but that that book is is instrumental in what it means to be a disciple of jesus uh the other book that i i think is a necessary read is celebration of discipline by richard foster uh and and understanding the disciplines of what it means to follow jesus what uh, what prayer looks like what what discipleship looks like, what worship looks like, what solitude looks like, all these aspects of what Jesus says, this is what it looks like when you follow me. And, and these are not how-to books. They're not books that, okay, I read this and I've, I've got it all figured out. Uh, but they, they speak to the disciplines of what it means to be his follower, to, to know his richness, to know his forgiveness, to know his faithfulness. Because in order to know him, it takes time. And it takes a daily walk with Jesus. As, as I think about what it looks like to be a, a, a disciple of Jesus on the campus of, of MTSU, just a few miles down the road, and What's, what's it look like to be a disciple of Jesus in the community of Murfreesboro as, we're, as, our, as our community is just continuing to grow and explode? Um, what's it look like to be a follower of Jesus in a culture that is constantly changing all around us? The beautiful thing about what it means to be a, discipleship, a, a disciple of Jesus is that Jesus spells it out very clearly and it does not change. This is what it looks like to be my disciple. And I, 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 never, 
I never want to sell short the seriousness of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Um, when he calls us, he, he, he doesn't call us just to give him a slice of our lives, but he calls us to give him everything. Absolutely everything. And sometimes we love to segment our lives. We love to make this my work life, and this is my family life, and this is my um, school life, and this is my walk with Jesus life. We are so good at segmenting our lives. But Jesus never called us to come give him a part of our life. He said, come follow me. Give me everything, absolutely everything. And when we start to understand that, when we start to embrace that biblical discipleship, uh, we begin to understand what it means to be his disciple. We begin to understand what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus each and every moment of our life. And Jesus, Jesus confronts this idea of half-heartedly being a disciple in some really hard scriptures that we're going to look at this morning. Uh, and and as, I, as I was beginning with reading scripture early on in my life, and, and, I, and I read these scriptures, some of these were, were difficult for me to even fully embrace, but I hope this morning that we can take some time and, and just really hold on to what Jesus is saying about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. So if you have your scriptures, turn to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 35. Luke 14, 25 through 35, it says this. Now great crowds were traveling with him. So he turned and he said to them, well, let's just stop right there. We, we've, got to, we've got to get that picture. Get the picture of Jesus walking along, going village to village, going, going to all through this area of, of, of uh, the, the area that he was teaching and, 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 and doing healings. And, but great crowds were following him. And there were lots of side conversations going on. Of all these things that Jesus is talking about, lots of side conversations going along of people saying, well, this is what I think he means. We never do anything like that, right? We never do. Well, this is what I think. Jesus makes it very clear in the scripture. Uh, verse 26, it says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, wanting to build a tower, doesn't first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, after he has laid the foundation and cannot finish it, all the onlookers will begin to ridicule him, saying, this man started to build and wasn't able to finish. Or what kind, or what king going to war against another king will not first sit down and decide if he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If not, while the other is still far off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. 
In the same way, therefore, every one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. Now, salt is good, but if salt should lose its taste, how will it be made salty? It isn't fit for the soil or for the manure pile. They throw it out. Let anyone who has ears to hear, let him hear. So, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is alive and that this morning, um, my friends, as we, as we gather together, my friends and I are able to take a look at the scripture and as followers of Jesus, as disciples of Jesus, a, a title that I know many in this room wear and know and embrace and love. God, I hope and pray that this morning that our hearts will be open to what you want to show us of just taking us a little bit deeper, a little bit more of just what it means to follow you, not just as a segment of our life, but with our whole life, with everything. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is alive, for it is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. So this, this scripture, Jesus makes it very clear about what it means to be his disciple. Uh, many of the people are having these conversations about, uh, this is what I think he means, but first First thing, there's a few takeaways. A few takeaways that I want you to walk away with. Uh, takeaway number one is Jesus. Jesus is the only one that can truly define what being his disciple means. Jesus is the only one who can truly define what being his disciple means. When we want to know what being his disciple means, we've got to go to the source. Uh, anytime we, we want to know something, if there's a, uh, if there's a subject that, that we want to learn something about, or, or there's, a, uh, there's a sporting event, or something that we want to know something, what better source to go to than the source of this is what it means, this is what it looks like. So if we want to know what being his disciple looks like, Jesus is the only one who can truly define what being his disciple means. And Jesus is the one that defines what a disciple is. The, the word disciple, my friends, it, it actually occurs in the New Testament over 260 times. That form of that word disciple. Disciple, discipleship, follower. There's, there's several different translations, but when you, when you look at that word disciple, it occurs over 260 times in the New Testament. If it occurs 260 times in the New Testament, I think it's a pretty important word. And I think we need to begin to understand that when Jesus calls us and we, we say that we are his disciple, we truly have to embrace and truly have to know what it means. And Jesus is the one who can define that. Look at, look at verses 25 and 27 through 27. It says, now great crowds were traveling with him. So he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. We, we, need, to, we need to look at the context of the scripture. Who, who is Jesus talking to at, at this time? It, Luke, Luke is recording this um, this uh, of, of what is, is going on with Jesus. Luke notes that there were large crowds following Jesus. And, and he turned to them and he began to elaborate. And he began to tell them what being a follower really, really meant. 
And this, this is meant, this is meant for those that are following him. Um, we, we can share this and point others to uh, who may not be followers of Jesus at the time. We can help them understand and we can show this. But the intent of what Jesus is, is and who he is talking to in particular at this are those that are following him. I would venture to say that many of you in this room would say, yes, I am a follower of Jesus. I am a disciple of Jesus. This is to you. This is to me. So the context is really important. This is for, myth, for those who are following him. Um, but many, many who were following him, many who were listening to him, many in our culture today who are following him were casual followers of Jesus. Mission point. Mark. Jesus does not call casual followers of Jesus. He calls fully devoted followers of Jesus. All in. Everything. He does not call casual followers. Jesus, Jesus is saying, follow me and it will cost you something. You, you can do all the things that may look like you're my disciple, but, but let me tell you what it really looks like. And and there were many in the crowd, there are many in our culture today that were casual followers. Um, many were there because they many were there because they were genuinely curious about what he was teaching. Because what he was teaching and what he was showing was so different from every, anything that they'd ever heard before. And Jesus he he addresses this this mistaken view of being a disciple in verses 26 and 27. And, and he explains in very vivid and very clear. Um, and, and honestly, and this is when, when I was younger and reading these scriptures, uh, it was shocking. These were shocking words to me uh, of what it means to be his disciple. And, and what I see Jesus saying is, and, and this is what we can walk away with, takeaway number two, to be a disciple of Jesus, we must be committed to him above anything else. To be a disciple of Jesus, this is, this is the one takeaway. We've got, there's, there's four or five takeaways that I want, I want you to have today, but, but this is it. This is, this is like the big one. To be a disciple of Jesus, we must be committed to him above anything else in our hearts, in our minds, in our actions. What, I, what I'm seeing Jesus say in these verses is that we, we mu- he, he must come before anything. Our families, our careers, our possessions, our goals in life. Now, in no way, shape, form, or fashion is Jesus saying, don't love your family. In no way, shape, form, or fashion is he saying, don't love and, and, and love what you do to not love your work. And the, he's not saying that. But he is saying that he must be more important than any of that. When it comes, Jesus, Jesus must 
come first in everything. And I'll be honest. And therefore, (laughs) therefore comes the daily struggle of making that reality. Let's be honest with each other. We can can look at that. We can say that. Yes, that is true. But on a daily basis, on a daily basis of making that reality in our life, Jesus is saying, follow me, trust me, and make me more important than anything else in your life. But here's the thing. When I love him more, I love my wife more. When I love him more, I love my kids more. When I love him more, I love our college students more. When he comes first, it helps every other aspect of our life. And it's tested at home, it's tested at school, it's, it's tested in our alone time, it's tested in our time with others. And then verse 26, Jesus says this, this commitment level, it applies, it applies to anyone who comes to me. And, and Jesus is not speaking to exclusively to a, to a group of followers. He's not ex- is speaking exclusively to missionaries. He's not speaking exclusively to pastors. He's not speaking exclusively to campus ministers. Uh, he's not ex- speaking exclusively to those that have been involved in church their whole life. He, he's saying that this statement, it applies to anyone who follows him. Anyone. There can't be any question with that. Um. Now, let's, let's just slow down and, and, and see what Jesus meant by this statement of when, when he says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, I don't know about you, but I was not even allowed to use the word hate in my home. My mom did not let me, when, if I said, I hate cauliflower, no, you don't hate cauliflower, you don't like it. I was not even used to, allowed to use that word, hate. But then Jesus says, I am, if you're my follower, then you are to, to hate your uh, father and mother and brothers and sisters and wife and children, even your own life. And I'll, I'll be honest, I, I love my mama. And so when I, when I read this, and when I, particularly when I was younger, this, these words are, are, it's such strong language, but Jesus is saying that, that we must love him much more than we love our closest family members. It's in Jewish, um, in Jewish words, in Jewish teaching, the, it is a level of love that, that as we love Jesus, as we love him more, as I said earlier, we love our family more. We love our but it's, it's the priority of, of how we love him more. Jesus, and Jesus is not speaking of, um, he's not speaking of emotional feelings that, that we have toward our families or, or anyone else. Or it's, it's a level of commitment that we have to him and to him alone. He's, he's saying that our level, to commit, our, our level of commitment to obey, uh, to follow him, uh, must be greater than any other commitment in our lives. 
And there comes the daily struggle of giving it all to Him. This, and this means doing what Jesus tells us to do. When he, when he tells us to love our neighbor, we're to love our neighbor. If He tells us uh, to, uh, to be obedient in any area of our lives, because you see, to be a disciple of Jesus, we must be committed to Him above anything else. Anything else. And do everything that He says to do. That's that's truly why I, I, I love being on a college campus because I, I, I believe that when college students truly grasp that, uh, it changes everything. When college students begin to truly embrace what it means to be a follower of Jesus, uh, they, they, uh, they, it's why it's so important for us to be, have a presence on the college campus. Uh, the college campus is is one of, if not the most strategic places that we can be as the church. And we, when we talk about reaching the world for Christ, I, I believe it's college students that will take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Um, a few years ago, I was, I was on a plane uh, going from Nepal into China, and we were flying over the Himalaya Mountains. And you see um, Mount Everest right outside the... Uh, my, my plane window and these these mountains just as far as far could see you were looking at the Himalayas. But as you look through those, and it was a clear day, and you could look down and you see these little villages all all through the Himalaya mountains. And the missionary that I was with, he said, "Yeah, many many of those little villages, they've they're unreached. They're." They're unreached people groups that we know that they're there, but they're, they're an unreached people group. And so as, as I'm on this plane and looking at these little, in, in some of these villages, it takes days and days even to get there. You, you might ride a plane into a little area and then and land on some grass strip, and then you, you uh, take a vehicle for a little while, and, and it might be a distance between here and Memphis, distance-wise but it will take you three days to get there. But I'm, as, and, and I think I, when, when I saw those villages and I, I really began to understand when, when Jesus says the ends of the earth, that's, those are the places that Jesus is talking about. I believe it's college students that are going to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. They're just crazy enough to go do things like that. So that's why I love when college students fully embrace just what this means to be his disciple, to give him everything. But this is not just for college students. This is for every one of us that have been maybe following Jesus for decades and years and years and years. He's saying, give me everything. And I want to use you and show you things like you've never seen before when you trust me with your life. Uh, as, we, as we look at Luke 14, 28 through 33, uh, we see in these scriptures uh, a few more details of, of the cost, of what it, what it looks like when, when we follow Him. We, we, have to, we have to understand that following Him requires some, some cost. There are some things that are important. Takeaway number three 
it's not a bad idea to actually consider your cost because you begin to understand what you're getting into. So when I have conversations with students who maybe have no idea what it means to be a follower of Jesus, I began to even explain to them, this is, this is what it means to give him everything. It's not a bad idea to actually consider the cost, and that's what Jesus is doing. He, he gives two illustrations here, two very vivid illustrations. These are, these are incredible illustrations that Jesus gives us, uh, and, and, and it paints such a beautiful picture of what this looks like. And these are, this is a very simple, but, but it's, a, it's a pertinent point. It, it's, it, it is essential for us to consider the cost of, of building a tower or going to war, these illustrations that Jesus talks about. Uh, it, it's important to consider the cost before jumping in with both feet. Uh, we don't take it lightly. It's important to consider the cost and, and commitment necessary to follow Jesus. We, we, should, we should never sell Christianity as easy. And Jesus say, he's saying that it's important to consider the cost, the decision to follow him. We should never make it and sell it as easy, but we're able to talk about how good it is. There's a lot of things in life that when we may work hard, we may, it may take a lot of effort, but when, when it's finished and it's over, you're able to look at it and go, wow, that's good. How much more this relationship with Jesus, when we give Him everything, and understand the cost, and walk through the cost, but to know truly how good it is when we follow Jesus. Because we know hope. Because we know forgiveness. Because we understand grace. He's, he's not calling half-hearted Christians. There's, there's nothing half-hearted about following Jesus. If, if you're around me much, uh, I talk about Thailand a lot. been to Thailand nine times. My family and I lived there for uh, several months back when my kids were younger. Uh, I, I love Thailand. And it's 98% Buddhist. Uh, it's a hard, hard place. But I have Thai Christian friends who are some of the most incredible followers of Jesus I've, never, I've ever met in my life. Because they really understand the cost. They get it. It's not easy. There's many of my Thai Christian friends who who have been um, disowned by their families because it brings bad karma, it brings bad luck to the family if, they're, if their son or daughter is a Christian. So many of my Thai Christian friends 
their parents have actually had funerals for their kids because in their mind they're dead. Never to have communication with their parents ever again. Many of my Thai Christian friends have a hard time getting jobs because it's a good thing when you go into work every morning according to Buddhist culture and Thai culture to go out and pay honor to the spirits and feed the spirits before you begin the work day, and that brings good work. But as a, as a Christian, if you say, I'm, I'm not going to do that, you're fired because you're going to bring bad, bad luck to that. So it's, it's difficult for Thai Christians to find a job. So when we talk about counting the cost, oh, they get it. They understand on a daily basis. But the joy and the hope that I see and hear in what they talk about beautiful. Because to be a disciple of Jesus, you must be committed to him above everything else. Look at verse 33. Again, uh, in verse 33, it says, uh, in the same way, therefore, every one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. Jesus is making a a very clear to uh, the cost of following him. He says, disciple must be willing to give up everything. Um, and and I'm, uh, hear me, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not telling us to all go out and, and this afternoon have a yard sale and just get rid of everything. I don't, I don't think that's what Jesus is saying here. But he's saying, but if he tells you to do that, you do that. He must come first in everything. There's, there's uh, that, that word everything, it's a really complex word. Uh, you might want to write this down. That word everything means everything. Everything. We, we may not give up everything, but Jesus is referring to that, that attitude that if he calls you to give up something, to give up everything, will you? And I was... Um, just in conversation with some students earlier this week of when it comes to graduation and what their life will look like in, in the days and weeks and months and years ahead, just what does that look like of, of this, this painted uh, image that we have of what success looks like, but then what it really looks like to be a follower of Jesus in a culture that sometimes looks so, so different. Jesus is saying, give me everything. To be his disciple, we must be committed to him above everything else. And then verses 34 through 35, as he wraps this portion of scripture up, it says, now salt is good, but if salt should lose its taste, how will will it be made salty? It it isn't even for the soil or for the manure pile. They, They throw it out. Let anyone who has ears to hear let them listen. Take away number four. The world needs real salt. The world needs to see and understand real salt. Salt is uh, it's, it's re- routinely used in Scripture. We see that, that illustration of salt, and sometimes we think about salt that's just on the kitchen table, and it's, it's a commodity that we have that we take for granted. It's, it's it's there, it's pure, it's, it's just, it's salt. It's really not that expensive, but in, in Jesus' day, this, we have to understand the significance of salt 
because salt was a purifier, salt was, uh, was a, an extremely important commodity. But uh, salt, salt was used as a preservative, it was used as, for flavoring, it was used uh, as fertilizer, and, and salt, in this case, it, it represents a, a person's commitment to Jesus. And when, when that commitment is genuine, he says, the salt is good. And, and salt was, as, as I said, it was different in Jesus' day than it is today. It wasn't pure salt like it is today, so it could actually lose its saltiness. And if that happened, the, the, the remaining product of what was there, uh, it, had, it had the appearance of salt. It looked like salt. It felt like salt, but it wasn't salt. It could, it could not even be used, as Jesus says, for fertilizer. And Jesus is saying that, that people who follow him without, without total commitment are... And this stings. They are like salt that has lost its saltiness. And they may have the appearance of being his disciples. They may be checking off all the boxes. They may walk through the conveniences of being a follower of Jesus. But they may have no real commitment to Jesus. And Jesus was referring to those that only give him a part of their life. Because you see, to be a disciple of Jesus, you must be committed to Him. I must be committed to Him above everything else. Everything. Following Jesus means with our entire lives, Mission Point, everything. And, and I, I, think, I think we have to come to understand what that looks like in, in, in relation to being a student at MTSU, working at MTSU, being, um, being a, an employee in our community, to being a neighbor in a neighborhood. Uh, there's no shortcuts with that. But it is a daily, moment by moment by moment by moment, walk with Jesus. And it's really sweet. And it's really good. The question, as as we've gotten to the end of the Scripture, and the question, I think for all of us this morning, is as there were large crowds that morning, and that day as Jesus is walking alongside all these people, uh, the question is, are we just satisfied with being in the crowd? I see him. I'm following a few steps behind. Are we just satisfied with being a part of the crowd? Casually looking over the crowd, being associated with Jesus, but not really following him with everything that we are. I think anytime we go to the Word, anytime we look at the Scriptures, it calls for a response. And this morning, uh, the question remains for all of us is, are we just satisfied with being a part of the crowd? 
Or are we truly going to embrace what it means when Jesus says, this is what it looks like to be my disciple? You may be here and you may be a seeker. You may be um, checking this church out. You may be checking out what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And, and you're, you've got a lot of questions. And I know there are many people here that would, this morning would love to talk to you more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus and what, what they've learned. I'd love to have that conversation with you. But there are many here that would love to have that conversation with you. And I would love for you to have that conversation of what it means to be his disciple. You, you may be here and you may be uh, seeking to understand what being a follower of Jesus looks like, and, and I'd love to tell you more. And you may be here this morning and um, you may just be going through the motions. Jesus is saying, don't be casual. Give me everything. Give me everything. And I will show you the richness of my grace and my mercy and my hope like you've never, ever, ever experienced it before. Being a disciple of Jesus calls for our life. So Father, thank you for your word. And this morning I know that um, as we look at this scripture, we were, um, were faced with just what this looks like on a on a daily basis, it's, we, we are faced with responsibilities of life, we're faced with difficulties of life, we're faced with so many things that sometimes distract us. And, and Lord, I confess that there, there are days that I am just simply distracted. God, I pray that you will give me, that you'll give my friends in this room, Eyes that truly desire to seek you and to seek what it means to be your follower, that we follow hard after you, that we give you our everything. We give you our lives so that our lives can be used as sacrifices. Our, our lives can be used as, as, a, as a tool. Our lives can be used as a vessel to help others understand how good you are. And God, I, I know um, there are many in here this morning that so desire to see there's family members, there's others in their life that we so desire to see them embrace what this really looks like and what this means. So Father, you hear our hearts, you know our hearts, and we give all of that to you. Lord, help us understand more today what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus with everything in our lives. Lord, we love you, and it is in the name. Mission Point, let's say his name together. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray.